0: Today on the podcast, Rosie and Turner are going to continue with the Brave New World series, where we're going to be talking about population control. We're going to be going over some of the reasons that people believe in population control, the dark underbelly of population control. It's going to be a great podcast, so grab a coffee, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War podcast. What's up, warriors? Welcome to another episode of All Out War podcast. I am Turner and I am here in the studio for another episode. Before I get started, I just wanted to make a quick a quick announcement. Some of you guys that have been listening to us from the beginning will remember that we had a uh, third person on the podcast. It was always Turner, Rosie and Cody or Cody, Turner and Rosie, whatever. But if you've noticed the last few episodes, Cody has not been around, and and typically we would say, oh, you know, he's not here because he had family sick or whatever. But here's the sad but awesome news that I have to report to everyone: Cody is on another podcast project now. It's called the Shield Wall uh, Doctrine and Discipleship Podcast. He's doing it with a few other guys. One guy, Ethan, who has been on this podcast a couple times, and a, another great guy named Seth, and they have episodes available on iTunes, and all of that. And so you can find them on uh, Spotify, wherever. Just look for Shield Wall Podcast. And I highly recommend it. If you like this one, check them out. I think you'll enjoy it. And we love Cody, and we wish them all the best. And maybe we'll do a mashup uh, at some point. But uh, we're, Rosie and I are going to keep going. And speaking of Rosie, Rosie, what's up, my man? Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are yeah, you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fan. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> You're know, <he's> so
1: energetic. <laughs> I um, love this, man. Yeah, it, this is awesome. And yeah, I will give, before I go further, uh, we love those guys. Yeah. Shieldwall. So They're it's awesome. awesome. You definitely should check it out. They're super smart, and they are very entertaining. I mean, it's a great podcast. I love it. Yeah. You, um,
0: you won't get clickbait theology from them. No clickbait theology there. Right. Uh, That's just what... That's meat, what we
1: do, right? Meat and substance. Yeah. Uh yeah. Speaking of uh meat and substance, did you know that uh England uh they had this contest to find out what the cheapest meal available was? Okay. And uh the one that won, the meal that won was the toast sandwich. <laughs> the toast sandwich. Yeah. It's from a uh from a recipe book from eighteen sixty one. Oh, so it's an it's a actual
0: thing, toast sandwich. I wonder if toast was a lot harder to do back in the 1800s.
1: I guess, I don't know. But Does, it's literally a piece of toast sandwich between two pieces of bread. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's, it's four pieces of bread? No, 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 three. Three. So, so you got a piece of toast, which is bread, in the middle, and untoad. then two pieces of bread on the side. That is so bizarre. Yeah, and the recipe originally says to add salt, pepper, and cumin to oh, taste. Nice. So,
0: is this in England? You said. Yeah. Cheerio, mate. Would you like some? Would you like a, a toast sandwich? I would love a toast sandwich right now. It would go great with my scotch and my tea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, uh, dude, that's hilarious. Yeah. It's uh, it's the cost is. Uh, Per sandwich is seven and a half pence, <laughs> which I think is the equivalent to like cents. Is that like... Because they have the pounds and the pence, but they always have that weird cock... They have like so many words for...
0: Is that like a Mike Pence? It's like one seventh of the weight of a Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be a righteous pence. A righteous pence. Oh man, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, did you know? I got one for you. All right. Guess what the podcast is on today. Oh, what is it on? Population control. Oh, that's gonna be. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> I know, right? It seems like uh, it seems like it would be kind of kind of strange to talk about, but this is a continuation in our Brave New World series that we've been doing. We did one on the the social uh, the social uh, credit. We did one on uh, AI. Last our last pod- podcast was on AI, which is fun. I'd recommend go listen to that. Yeah, it was fun. And then building on that, we're going to talk about population control this is a I'll have to admit as we were discussing this and I started to do research with you along on it I, it's a little it's a little dark it's a little scary to yeah. think about yeah and uh, and there's some specific reasons why it's dark and scary but um, if if for our listeners that aren't familiar with it this is something that's been around probably since uh, it started to really gain traction in public life through scientific uh, sources um, basically. In the late seventies, it started to really kind of come about. It was a thought. It's been used historically. So when you think about um, population control, the basic definition of population control is to control the birth rate of a nation, uh, or a community, or or even a a group of people. But controlling birth rate and controlling those type of um, you know controlling communities or even entire nations uh, is nothing new. Typically, historically, it's handled through warfare and famine and pestilence and you know natural courses of of life, right? Yeah. So, like the Black Plague came around, lots of people die. Yeah.
1: Actually, let me go through. I found this thing called the um, which they use to explain all this stuff. Great. It's called the demographic transition model. Nice. Yeah. So uh, there's five, possibly five stages. There's four. <laughs> Ones that they've like made, uh, ob- obs- they, they've observed and were able to say, this is a stage, this is a stage, this is a stage. Yeah. So in stage one, uh, which applied to most of the world before the Industrial Revolution, both birth rates and death rates are high. And that's because, you know, basically people had a lot of kids because. If you have, you know, if you have, you're going to have nine kids because three of them are going to die before the age of <laughs> That's five. That's the sad you want, truth, right? Yeah. You want to have as many as you can to help to keep your name going, keep your name going, but also work the farms, yeah. uh, fight against other tribes, you know, it, it's because everyone is dying. Mm-hmm. Um, So, uh, in this stage, as a result, population size remains fairly constant, but can have major swings such as. You know, with events such as war or pandemics, you know, like uh, the Black Plague, or you know, something like that. Um, So, in stage two, the introduction of modern medicine lowers death rates, especially among children, while birth rates remain high. The result is rapid population growth. Many of the least developed countries today are in stage two, Hmm. and so it's interesting to talk about this because with the what it's talking about. You know, medicine comes in, it helps keep children alive, you know, make it past five years old. I think that's the basic. Um, that's the crest or like the yeah, watermark of, can yeah, live. of when they live. Um, so the modern medicine, you know, lowers these infant birth rates, um, but people are still having a lot of babies. So there's this explosion. And so that it says, you know, this is. What most of the least developed countries are in right now, and that makes sense because there's still you know their uh culture of having a lot of kids and all this stuff, yeah, so that's kind of contributed right now um to i guess the population boom that people want to control or talk about controlling is it's it's mostly in these uh the poorest of the poor, yeah um so in stage three. Birth rates gradually decrease, usually as a result of improved economic conditions, increase in women's status, and access to contraception. Population growth continues, but at a lower rate. Most developing countries are in stage three um, in that one. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So they stop having as many babies because they know that the babies are going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So in stage four, birth and death rates are both low, stabilizing the population. These countries tend to have stronger economies, higher level levels of education and better health care, uh, a higher proportion of working women, and a fertility rate hovering around two children per woman. Most developed countries are in stage four. And it says a possible stage five would include uh, countries in which fertility rates have fallen significantly below placement level, which is two children. And the elderly population is greater than the youthful population.
0: Okay. So, it seems like as a, a nation develops, as they grow in, in economic stature, right. the birth rates reduce Yeah, or go down.
1: Yeah. A- at the end, like it's a, you think of it like a chart where it goes, like they're exploding up.
0: Like a wave almost. And then,
1: yeah, like a wave, and they're all coming back down.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And so, as... So America, number where we are, you know, in the United States, uh, we, we would probably be at four, three or four. Yeah, yeah, we're at four. It's yeah, a, yeah. and uh, and so based on the fact that we have a good economy, mm-hmm. so I just can't escape the idea that the better economically you are as a as a nation, uh, the less amount of childbearing that happens. I wonder if there's a. You know, connection. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure there is.
1: I'm sure that there's been people. Um, But what was interesting when I was talking about uh, stage five, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think we are starting to see that in certain. This is all natural progression. This, these stages. Yeah. Um, But you look at China, right? With their one child policy, they're having they're having to import women basically because China had this one child policy, and they're so basically, I think it was in mainland China where you could only have one child. Obviously, as the name yeah, says, yeah, they have a, they have a, a single child policy, right? And the the reason that these Chinese, I have to look up the rate, but most uh, of these families would, if they had, you know, gave birth to a, a, a female, they would either kill it in vitro, you know, when they as soon as they found out, they mm. would abort it or Gosh. something like that because they're very um, what's the term not familiar or they care about uh tradition, but basically you want your name sake. right? you want your lineage to move on so you would want to have a male right um, so yeah. that's basically their' thinking, so I would say you know something like that i, I think they're probably in the stage five because they're having a crisis right now they yeah. can't
0: they can't repopulate they can't At, because of the law right, yeah, so they're forcing that in and gosh it's just like cut your own throat why don't you yeah you know as a nation um it, so i was i just googled real quick while we we're talking russia is facing falling birth rates um uh which is an economic problem so when the birth rates begin to fall so does the econ- the economic because now you have fewer workers you and fewer workers right? more consumers less contributors and so what happens is uh and then, so they have to raise taxes, mm-hmm. and so when they raise taxes, then then there's less. It's just a cycle. It's like a snake eating itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what's the reason? Like, if this is true, so mm-hmm. economically it destroys a nation, and and then it also it demoralizes the people because they don't. They're not. In a, they're not in a, in a. Their their nation isn't leading out there. They don't have opportunities. So they're going to have to leave the country if they want to find better opportunities. Right. What 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 would motivate population control in the first place? Right. Like that's got to be. So I don't know what you found, but on my research, the biggest common denominator that yeah, take I it see away. is uh, what's that? I said go ahead. Yeah. I know okay. it, yeah. So the biggest common denominator that's mentioned in nearly every single article that I could find online about population control was, and I'll give you a guess what it is, what do you think it is? Um, is? I'm going to say the environment. You are, ding, 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 <laughs> correct, right answer. It seems like the environment is pushing its way into the main reason why population control, why they want to have population control. Um, so, uh, so climate change um, is amazing i found a, a one letter one article the the center for biological diversity uh yeah just google that if you want they propose solutions to population growth and environmental problems through efforts like giving away condoms and colorful packages and depicting endangered animals the idea to, is to start a debate on how overpopulation crowds out species and hastens climate change uh, just when the world is welcoming its Baby number seven billion. It says, "Wrap with care, save the polar bear." Reads one of the packages. (laughs) (laughs) Wear a condom now, save a spotted owl. Says another. (laughs) So, uh, the the uh, the Center for Biological Diversity—they're having their own, uh, taking their own, um, you know, propaganda and throwing it out there in the public to encourage people to wear a condom to to lower birth rates because they care about the environment and climate change is the, is the main proponent. Right. Um, yeah. I was going to say, uh, I can,
1: I'll, I'll take, kick it off there for or go off that for a minute. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff um, in research, as soon as you look up, if you just Google population control, it's going to bring up all kinds of conspiracy theories and sites like that. And they always link back to where I would say the basis of those things got laid out. And it was, uh, and this, this term pops up all the time. So if you want to look more into this, it because they released like the minutes or the notes from it, and it's like 350 pages worth. Wow. Um, but it's basically from this thing called Agenda 21. And what Agenda 21 is, and I'm just going to read off the Wikipedia page. Um, Agenda 21 is a non-binding action plan of the United Nations in regards to sustainable development. It is a product of the Earth Summit, uh, which is the UN Conference on Environment and Development. (laughs) The Earth Summit. (laughs) The Earth Summit, yeah. It Um, it was held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 1992. So it's been around for a while, but um, yeah, so it is Hmm. an action agenda. Action, it's interesting how they keep saying it's non binding, but it's an action plan. Yeah. You know, so no one. So when you get, when we get into it, you know, there's stuff they're doing, but basically when they came out and laid all this stuff out, they're like, you know, we're just going to put this out there. This is what we could do. Right. Um, but you totally don't have to do it if you don't want. Like we, we said it's non-binding
0: and we're not forcing anyone, you know, so they can say that, all that stuff. Um, it, a different level. It's like, you don't have to get on the bus as they put a gun in your back. But you probably want to get on the bus. You probably want to get on the bus because right. it's going to be a lot better if you <laughs> get on the bus and go. <laughs> right.
1: um, just be, trust us. That's right. Yeah. Um, so it is an action agenda for the UN, other multilateral organizations, and individual governments around the world that
0: can be executed at local, national, and global levels. Wow. So, so they have a tiered plan, like literally, yeah, like breaking, yeah. bringing it from global to national to local. Amazing. Yeah so but again you know you don't have to do we're just going to plan everything out. <laughs> right. We've just um,
1: thought this through for you. Right. Yeah so uh in in the 21 in agenda 21 refers to the 21st century. Hmm. Uh it has been affirmed and had a few modifications at subsequent UN conferences. Its aim is achieving global sustainable development. Yeah. And uh it says one major objective of the agenda 21 is that every local government should draw its own local agenda twenty-one?
0: <laughs> so, what kind that, of do, do you have? Do you have anything that they have on there as far as like population control and? Yeah, Um or, or is it just like get, so get the three hundred page book and read it yourself? <laughs> yeah, I found
1: this place that uh, we sh- uh, we can drop this one in the the notes. So a lot of uh, sections and stuff like that people point to, so they don't actually come out and. Y- As far as I know, because I have not read 350 pages. Yeah. Um, I love you guys listening to the podcast, but I'm not going to (laughs) read 350 pages of uh, UN notes. Um, Don't need that kind of bringing that evil into my life, right? No doubt, right? Um, But yeah, so there's section 3.1, which is... The eradication of poverty and hunger, greater equity in income distribution, hmm. and human resource development remain major challenges everywhere. The struggle against poverty is a shared responsibility of all countries. So you hear, I, I've heard some people point to this and say, like, "Well, how are we gonna?" You know. Uh, so this gets into the depopulation control. Is is it easier to bring
0: everyone out of poverty, or is it easier just to? Not Eradicate poverty. And and not bring them into the world, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. So on the environment, let me just speak to the environmental yeah, yeah, things for a second. So I'm old enough to remember that the environment – Uh, when I was a kid, when I I remember this in in fourth or fifth grade, we went to science class and they were talking about um, just the environment and the future and all that. And they were concerned about a global ice age that was emerging that like, like by the time we were going to be, I was an adult in my forties that the planet will have cooled and the ice caps will have exploded down into Northern America. And, (laughs) and like um, there would just be really what we would know as the, as the equator, the tropic zone would be basically eliminated. And so enjoy the beach now and all this stuff. I can remember these conversations yeah. and, and seeing pictures. Then you fast forward 20 years and then it becomes global warming. And so it's now global warming is what's coming. So now the polar ice caps are going to melt and we're going to have flooding and raising water. And everyone's going to have a beach. And everyone's <laughs> going to have a beach. It's going to be beautiful. And, uh, and, but here's my problem with this: If you're going to use the environment as as a as like an anchor argument for population control, at least get your argument down. It's been waffling back and forth for 20 years. You have no idea. All of the science about it is debatable. We don't have hard science about it. Uh, the climate change is a real thing in the sense that it that the climate changes. Yeah. Okay. We don't have enough documented evidence. To say 300 years ago what it was like in our nation or in our world or in our hemisphere or whatever, we don't, we don't have the data. We weren't even thinking about that 300 years ago. Yeah. You know? Like we didn't even have the sophisticated equipment to measure certain things.
1: Yeah. I was going to say um, a couple things. It's pretty interesting. Again, uh, people always point out whenever you talk. I was going to say it's interesting now. It went from global warming to now it's just climate change yeah so it went from global cooling global warming, and now they're just like, ah, oh, it's gonna change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're hedging their bets, <laughs> yeah I, I mean how can which is really funny because you think what are the what is the other option besides if it's gonna heat up or it's gonna cool right what's yeah. what's the third one? The, it's a, just an asteroid gonna, gonna change
0: yeah th- there's no more well climate there was one the ozone layer i've heard that we're gonna put a hole gonna, in the ozone layer yeah. and it's gonna cause ultraviolet rays to come in and burn it superheat the, well superheat the, in, the, yeah, the yeah. atmosphere or and then it works like a microwave but i was gonna say
1: it's interesting um if i'm not mistaken and again i might be talking out my butt <laughs> but i'm pretty sure that the earliest models that we go back to is like only in the Early 1900s or the late 1800s. Yeah. So it's not,
0: we don't and even have climate data. Right. More than. It's more like a hurricane came through. Right. Like that kind of inf- information. Oh, oh, it was 108 degrees on whatever day in Arizona. You yeah. Know, 18- Actually, it's
1: really interesting. I was following this guy on Twitter. He was a climate climatologist and he always posts like this day. Um, he'll say like, oh, on this day in oh, right. 1918, uh the summer in Arizona got up to 118 degrees so it's really funny he'll just point all this stuff that again this isn't all about global warming or anything but it, like we're not we're not in a global warming Yeah. Yeah. You know, so
0: so um, yeah and i agree i mean look here i do i do believe that we can negatively affect the environment based on pollution and those type of things you know i do believe that um is it as bad as what they're saying, the carbon footprint and so forth? And so, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's as bad yeah. as what they're saying.
1: Well, I was going to say to go back to some of these sections from, um, which is really interesting. You brought that up. So section 420, uh, blaze it, smoke weed, 420, yo. Um, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking when you said that. <laughs> blaze it, yo. Um, section 420. Uh, the recent emergence... In many countries, of a more environmentally conscious consumer public, combined with increased interest on the part of some industries in providing environmentally sound consumer products, is a significant development that should be encouraged.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, governments and international organizations, together with the private sector, should develop criteria and methodologies for the assessment of environmental impacts and resource requirements throughout the full life cycle of products and processes. Results of those assessments should be transformed into clear indicators in order to inform consumers and decision makers. So, there you go. So, they're talking about that, too. Yeah. I was going to say, the last interesting thing, um, and again, this is the UN talking about this, talking about all the nations. (laughs) Section (laughs) 3.8, governments, with the assistance of and in cooperation with appropriate international, non-governmental, and local community organizations, should establish measures that will directly or indirectly, and then subsection E, (laughs) set up effective primary health care and maternal health care system accessible to all. Hmm. How so does I, that I, sound
0: I, first of all I like your attention to detail section E. Yeah, well this is broken down right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Um but yeah. yeah, the idea of healthcare that should be accessible to all
1: and it is a right, Stephen. Yeah. Um <laughs> but yeah, so it's interesting that they're again when you start looking at the scope of this and we're gonna, you know, keep breaking it down, but yeah, they're setting up this thing that they um you know that the world they're they're gonna enforce it. There's an actionable plan. Yeah, yeah. To enforce healthcare system accessible so to ha-
0: all. and So they have to create a propaganda campaign first, of that there's a need for something like this and that we're causing it. Right. So the environment is the anchor of one, one the probably the most, it's probably the most accessible anchor because I think this generation, your generation, the millennials, you yeah. guys care more about the environment than any other generation in the history of, of the world, in my opinion. I don't think has ever really cared that much. <laughs> I mean, you think back to World War II, they were, Dropping bombs in the ocean yeah, to yeah. see what would happen. Yeah.
1: So, I'll leave, but, this is the last part I'll read because it's also interesting. So, this is again under section 3.8. Governments should take active steps to implement programs to establish and strengthen preventative and curative health facilities, hmm. which include women centered, women managed, safe and effective reproductive health care and affordable accessible services as appropriate for the responsible planning of family size oh my gosh. in keeping with freedom, dignity, and personally held values, wow. taking into account ethical and cultural considerations.
0: So that's where you get family planning stuff. Family like planning. That. Yeah. So if but yeah. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, so I mean you don't,
0: the writings on the wall on that one. You don't even have to put connect the dots. Yeah. Like Planned parenthood abortion that whole 9 yards is they're just abortion right there. That's what they want to provide be able to right. have access yeah. to.
1: Women centered, women managed, right. safe and effective reproductive healthcare cuz it and is affordable services.
0: It is her rights. Right.
1: So again, where does this sound familiar?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's Coming through an agenda, man. It's yeah. crazy. So speaking of the UN, because you're reading this whole UN document, yeah, yeah. I found a YouTube clip of video of David Rockefeller addressing the UN ambassadors dinner in two thousand eight. Yeah. And I don't we don't have the ability to play Audio on this, you know, back t- for our listeners, but I'll, I pulled some of the quotes mm-hmm. from it. Um, here's just four of the things that he said uh, Decent life on our planet is threatened because of far too many people and the negative effects on our world economy. Mm-hmm. So, and before that, he goes into the environment as well. Yeah. Um, he says, The n- threat, n- check this out. He says, Threat number one is the direct threat to our planet's environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is David Rockefeller. Okay, Rockefeller, we're talking globalists here. These these guys want to control parts of the world, I mean, enormous parts of the world. Uh, Number two, economic consideration. Restrained economic controls need to be considered. So he's talking about not one nation excelling and becoming a superpower, but literally restraining your economic growth. Uh, on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and then he says, global development should work together as a planet of coordinators, not independent, self-involved nations, in order to avoid alarming global catastrophic disaster. Yeah. So they're painting a picture of, we have to work together. This is a global crisis, and we need to. you need to all submit, and you need to work together. And if you are going to be a nation that stands on your own for your own ideas – then you are not going to work. It's not going to work for you. Yeah. And it's going to be us against you. And here's the crazy thing, is that attached to these mindsets, especially with the UN, comes what? Support, money. Mm -hmm. Like what third world developing nation wouldn't love to have but more hospitals? Right. You know, I was in Haiti two, three years ago, and- I got very sick and we were in a fairly well-populated area, but the, to drive to the hosp- the closest hospital was three and a half hours away. Wow. And the clinic wasn't even, like the clinic was basically like a first aid kit. Right. No, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. It was like self-serve clinic. It had like band-aids, like it had a first aid kit in there. And that was like an hour drive. Wow. And, uh, and so what third world country wouldn't want that? Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Well, at least we get hospitals out of this and- Hey you know we're pretty crowded anyways, and it, it gives us a leg up, and yeah, we were talking
1: uh I'm pretty sure we talked about this on a podcast where you have these countries, and this is kind of going out on a tangent, but under the same idea, China has been buying up all kinds of resources down in mm-hmm. uh, sub-Saharan Africa, and they're investing all this infrastructure. Uh, you know we'll come build all these roads we'll come build all these hospitals we'll do all this stuff for you you know why would china want to do that yeah um well hey they want to move closer to us <laughs> so you know they can build a uh build a city and then you know hide a uh an air base or something like that. <laughs> no it's, but seriously for real yeah but also you know these so you, you this is kind of the mindset of again yeah if you're in I don't know. I'm just Nairobi or something like that. Um, you're gonna. You, you would. Well, why would you turn it away? Yeah. This wealthy country is gonna come build all these roads and bring all this medicine and all this stuff to help you out. Um, the only problem is when you can't pay them back. Right. Um, then you're essentially owned um, in a, in a very real sense of slavery. You know. Wow. Um, but anyways, yeah. So it's really interesting. Again, yeah. W-
0: these countries are susceptible to it, so it's like a forced uh, expansion, yeah, and then once you're occupied, you gotta go by their rules, yeah, so if they have population control, then you gotta well, go yeah by-
1: so that so one of the things with china um and this is really funny, I think it was in Korea or some other places around China, and again, I apologize if we've already gone over this, but when China goes to build infrastructure in i don't know, I think it was like Malaysia or something like that, um they bring their own workers. Yeah. So it's really funny because, you know, all these countries, uh, so yeah, again, I'm just picking a country because another one doesn't come to mind. If you're in Nairobi, and it may not even be in sub-Saharan Africa, I'm just making up stuff. Um, But if you're living there and they're like, oh, we're going to build this, you know, great place, we're going to give you jobs, you would assume. Because usually, you know, if someone's building around you, um, they would hire people that live there to work there because it would be... Um, that would make economic sense, but yeah. China is going to be bringing millions of workers there, so
0: it doesn't really help out. So yeah, no. it, yeah, it's not like um, hey, we're going to build a casino and, and we're going to lift you out of pot. Yeah, we're going to pay you to help build and then bring you can your do work. all the yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when uh, after the the first Gulf War, the you know Desert Storm back in, you were probably a baby. Yeah. But uh, after that war, um, I worked for a contractor. We got a we got a bid on a new embassy in Iraq. On the american embassy and it was going to be like a billion dollar job yeah and uh we were one of the front-runner bids for this company i worked for and so they were like hey you need to get your passport you need to get ready to go and so i was like excited about this and when the bid came back they required this is america they required that we hire iraqi construction workers yeah to do the work and i was like heck no i'm not letting them build our our embassy <laughs> yeah. they're gonna like they're gonna hate us they're gonna like booby trap it or something you well, know yeah
1: yeah the, the, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me right they'd have
0: to clear the people and but all, it was yeah. it was some kind of uh uh it was some kind of a agreement you know with us building after we destroyed you know decimated their country <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, so i mean th- that's the difference between i'll say america and china
1: is at least we're trying to help out other countries that yeah um, we you know colonize <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, anyways, yeah, so getting back to the i guess, so you would think like what you said about uh if you're in again like Nairobi and they're building all these cities in there and you're in debt that you can never pay off, um, and they're importing they're i guess they're they are importing with themselves all these workers who would presumably live there. Yeah. You know, and yeah. move in there. Um why wouldn't, you know, if they if they started saying, you know, Nairobians or whatever, you have too many kids. You, you know, China, we have a one child policy, it's working really great for us. Um and you guys have nine
0: kids. Yeah. You know? And it could be far that 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 and That's really I'm just the, Yeah, it could be like stuff. far down the the but it's it's all about control. Yeah. Everything in this is about control. Yeah. And obviously, communist China is all about control. Right, right. They want to control every aspect of of every person that they can. I found
1: this other quote from uh, Ted Turner, (laughs) which is interesting. I guess getting back to the population control idea, since that's what the podcast is on. Um, So it's interesting. So where does all this – so you have all this nebulous talk that they don't outright say we're trying to – you know, the UN can say we didn't outright say, you know – we need to control population or put a birth rate or you know, anything like that. And we start getting all these really rich people talking about it, yeah, which is really interesting because they're all um, stuff. So this is from CNN founder Ted Turner, and this is a pretty infamous clip, but he said that a total world population of about 250 to 300 million people, a 95 percent decline from present levels would be ideal.
0: Hmm. yeah a 97 percent 95 percent 95 percent decline yeah would be ideal.
1: yeah, oh my God. so this is and why is he saying that because of the environment yeah and so that goes back to this idea of basically um, and there's other ones in here uh, another one from David Rockefeller, the negative impact of population growth on all of our planetary ecosystems is becoming <laughs> appalling appallingly evident
0: Wow, appallingly evident. Right. So, show me the science, brother. Come on, Rockefeller. Yeah. So
1: basically, what we're getting to is that you have all these people that are basically putting the planet before humans. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is more important? Um, And it it basically, and this is the kind of rationalization that you get is, um, (laughs) I've heard this to climate change. So basically, the Earth is a living thing, right? Because just go with me. Organism. The, yeah. The okay. Earth is this organism and it was around before us, before we were here and it was just perfectly fine. Just, you know, chilling in the atmosphere and doing whatever it does by itself, producing, making mountains and stuff or whatever <laughs> it does when it's bored. And then all of a sudden we come along, you know, just, you know, we you just come along and, uh, we, you know, start blowing it up and killing each other. And, <laughs> Um, you know, doing all this stuff and drilling into the earth and killing all the trees and all the stuff. That sounds a lot like a disease. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just coming in there and messing up the... We're a cancer, man. Basically, yeah. So that's what they would say is we're basically a cancer Yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And we need to take control before we kill uh, the Mother Gaia.
0: The Mother Gaia.
1: You know, the the, the essence of the earth.
0: The, yeah. The. Well, so I see all that. And and if I were, you know, my disposition obviously because of my faith, I have a much different view of things than that, right. obviously. But I can I can understand why someone would feel like, Hey, we need you know, the earth is this is our home. Like this is all we got. Like, especially if you don't have faith, you're gonna be like, Well, this is all I got. Like right, right. this is everything. So we better take care of it while we can. And they say they always try and do the guilt, Well, what about your children? What are you leaving for them you know and uh I, a little side note by the way, I found this out there this made me laugh so hard um so when I was a kid, there was a famous commercial famous commercial mm-hmm. about about um polluting excuse me about polluting and it, it was an Indian <laughs> yeah. and the Indian would have a tear come out of his eye single tear single tear and he would be standing looking over like um like the city of la or whatever and there, or there'd be trash like he was walking first and through like a creek and there'd be like trash floating down the creek and so and he was just truly troubled come to find out the guy the actor guess what what he's not even american indian he looked no. like one you know what he was mexican middle eastern <laughs> really? Yeah. He was a Middle Eastern dude. He was from like Afghanistan or something like that or that's Pakistan. Funny. I know. <laughs> so Elizabeth Warren had more uh <laughs> it was more Native American than he was? He pro- Probably. N- well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not. Who knows? That's I mean all. just the fact that he did the commercial makes him more of a makes him more of an Indian. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh so these are the fear, like these are the things, like so they, they're worried about, uh, overpop. you know, the basic is that population control comes at us because of our environment. Then you have economic issues where it's going to, you know, the, the economy, we can't support it with too many people and all of that. But then there's facts. Mm-hmm. And so I found this little fact, and I'm just going to share it with you about population control. And then I want to, I wanna, let's move the conversation into like how as believers, as Christians, what are some of the things that we need to be how we need to approach this and understand? Yeah. So um so I was curious because you you and I were talking before the podcast about Ted Turner. Not right. not me. I'm not Ted Turner. Yeah. I'm not Ted Turner. The one that I quoted before about we need to decrease Yeah, 90, to 95%, 95 percent. Yeah. He wants 95 percent of the population to decrease. How much he's like the second largest landowner, you said? Yeah, yeah. So he's got about two million acres. 2 million acres that he personally owns. He personally owns. Yeah. So I was curious like how big that was. I was like, man, is that like the size of a state? And then I found this amazing stat and I'm going to share it. This is amazing. So in the state of Texas, it has 57% of the state is uninhabitable, which means it's either waterway or it's a side of a mountain, a cliff or whatever, you know, it's uninhabitable. But the inhabitable part, it says that, uh, so subtracting this inhabitable 57% from the total land area, uh, that leaves uh, 15.77 billion acre, acres of, inha- of habitable land. Divide this figure by the current, hum- current human population of 7 billion people and you get just under one hectare or 2.3 acres per person. So which is literally you just google let's put everybody in Texas just google let's put everybody in <laughs> Texas you'll find this stat i didn't make this up you literally could take the population of the planet and put them in the state of Texas and there would be 2.3 acres per person now i live on a quarter acre lot in a neighborhood i yeah. mean you can you can easily throw and t- hit my neighbor's house just you know like you, it, it, we're like 18 feet apart, our <laughs> right, houses are, yeah. right? Imagine 2.3 acres, okay? That's a lot of land yeah. to take care of per person. Per person. So not per family, not per person. <laughs> so you'd have two, three, you have two, three acres, you have yeah. 2.3, you have, you know, everybody gets 2.3 acres. We could all fit in the state of Texas. So the question With, is- And that's only 43%. Of the so, state, yeah. So we wouldn't even, so you'd have- You'd still have the mountains, and you'd still have everything the, else that we could still go to the river. We yeah. could still go fishing, all that. You know, I mean, there would probably be no fish left. Yeah. But, but so my whole thing is that is there really a problem with overpopulation in our world? And I'm going to say no. Yeah. I, so I've been to China. You, you know, if you listen to the podcast, you guys know that I've talked about it a bunch. But I've been to China, and it's you know it's the most populated. Well, it's probably second now behind India. Yeah. But when I was there, um, a few years ago it wasn't it was the most populated nation on the planet and i was in shanghai which is their wealthiest city uh i believe it's their wealthiest city and um and i did you know i did a little bit of travel there and th- you get outside of the city 20 30 minutes outside of the city and it's just country yeah it's just farmland and you can see like you can see, like I went up into one of the highest, one of the tallest buildings in the world is in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's over 1,200 feet high. So you can imagine, that's about the height you'd fly in a small plane. Right. So you can see pretty far. Yeah. And you can see the whole. It's right along the river. So you can see the Shanghai city, cityscape. And then if you look to the west or whatever, you could just see country just out there. They, they have a billion people in their nation. Yeah, it's and over- most of them are in the cities. Yeah, well, just like in the United States, yeah, our yeah. populations are on the coastlands, and that's where we are in the big cities—New York, L.A., you know, Miami, Dallas—you know, the big cities. And so, but think of the center of our country—how much unpopulated space <laughs> there is, right? You know, yeah. So to to say that we're overpopulated and that we're worried about economics and we're worried about the environmental impact—well, I mean,
1: come on. Even just for that, that's one of the things is that they're. Uh- you know, these deplorable, <laughs> to, to use that term, uh, conditions that a lot of people are living in. Um, yeah, again, is it feasible? You know, they would make the case that, oh, that you know,
0: everyone lives in Shanghai because that's where all the jobs are and all this stuff. Actually, Beijing, that's where they force people to work in the factories. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. where all the factories yeah, are. So yeah, so that's... But you're true. It's true.
1: So, again, if we can fit all that in Texas... Right. You know, that's... We're going to go ahead and scratch that argument that there's overpopul—you know—that it's
0: too there's not enough space for everyone, right? And that's one of the big key points that they say. Yeah, we're running out of land. We're running out of resources. We can't—you know—the environment's getting destroyed. So, so I have a uh, so it's, like put my pastor hat on now because yeah. I do this every episode. So, so here's the thing that bugs me the most about this about population control. Is that I believe that there is a deeper, darker um, side to this. Just like most of most of the globalism and most of the Brave New World series that we're going to talk about, there's a thread underneath all of this that's running, that is evil and dark, and has its has its devices set against God, against God's people, and against God's word. And so, I just, if you really want to know uh, what we should be doing as far as population control is concerned, just go to the book of Genesis, open it up to the very first chapter and go down about half of the page and look at verse 28. Cause this is what God instructed our mother and father, Adam and Eve, to do. He said, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, right. fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So Genesis 128, God instructs Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, and this was actually a blessing from God. It says God blessed them. So, <laughs> so to me, it's it's something that is working against what God has, you know, instructed and what He has ordained and what He has purposed yeah. for mankind. Yeah. And so, it's gonna get really we're gonna get really deep here for a second. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, one of the aspects of population control, and you you alluded to this a few minutes ago. One of the one of the aspects of population control is this idea of um, so we'll start with uh, there's a couple that have been emerging over the past 15 20 years one of those that is really dis, just just dis, just disheartening disgusting and very sad is this euthanasia yeah so uh, so I have uh, an elderly grandparents they're you know they're not one of them died my grandpa's by himself he's got dementia let's just put him out of his misery yeah and that's the mindset. And I get that, uh, you know, it's- Well, how they would frame
1: it, would let him take control of his own life- Of course.
0: And go out on his- His own know, terms, yeah. Surrounded by his family and blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And, and you know, I, it's, you know, it's a touchy subject, but it's definitely not something that's being resisted by population control. Right.
1: And it's even being propagated. Right. I mean, so you, you, you think about this. Yeah. Where did all of a sudden this came from? Right, you know, like where this, and so basically, we're we're gonna start talking about the culture of death. Yeah, that is. I mean, I think that's the best way to put there's, it. Yeah, there's no
0: other way to put it. Yeah. So you got euthanasia, and then you had you had found some statistics about um, the the, uh, the Down syndrome um, issue in Europe and the, yeah. the death rate there of abortions. Yeah.
1: So uh, I guess yeah, we're gonna go right to it. Is uh. Yeah, so abortion, I guess, again in the culture of death, um, is again being propagated and put up and being you know, we read from Agenda Twenty One Right about uh, you know, women centered health care that's women run and all this stuff and uh, again that sounds straight out of Planned Parenthood. Yeah. The Charter. Yeah. Which by the way was down was uh Margaret Sanger founded it, at, uh goodness, I'm such a bad pro-life activist. (laughs) I forget when it, uh, when she started uh, Planned Parenthood. But I mean, she's been on record as a uh, look up, look up the quote from Margaret Sanger about uh, she basically wanted to get rid of the undesirables. Wow. Yeah. And if you look at it um, again, throwing this out there, um, it mostly, you know, where did Planned Parenthood and these abortion clinics where do they typically um reside? They're in low income family uh low income neighborhoods yeah. targeting uh low income lo- families. families. Yeah. And uh when it's an option to kill your child in order to uh you know <laughs> if you're a low income I don't know how to say this without sounding Super crass, but you're a single mother. You have a couple kids already, mm-hmm. um, presumably, um, and you get pregnant. You know, uh, you just happen to get pregnant, mm-hmm. right? Again, yeah, you know, just something that happens. You know, you didn't, you didn't intend to get pregnant. Although you're having sex, um, which, of course, the byproduct of having sex is having a kid. But uh, you know, we're just gonna go with it that you didn't mean to have a. You know, you just wanted to have some sex and. Uh, (laughs) the kid just happened to come out and you can't afford it. And you can barely afford the other kids, which is is a bad, that's a whole other thing about being, you know, low income. And that's a whole other topic for another thing. And we're not, I'm not, you know, denigrating or, or, you know, coming down on a people that are born in a tough situation. So I'm not going to say that, but say you're already born, you're in a tough situation And these people say, like, you know, it's just not a kid. You know, just take care of it. You know, $100,000 over the next 18 years is what you're going to have to pay for another child. Just, you know, take it out. So, and that's, yeah, it's convenient. And that's what it was set up for. Economic. Yeah.
0: And Margaret Sanger, you you told me to bring up, so I brought up some of her quotes. This is disgusting. Uh, The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. (laughs) Uh, We don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Yeah. That's a Margaret Sanger quote. Yeah. Okay. It's documented in 1939, December 10th. She said that a a letter to Dr. Clarence J. Gamble. (laughs) So, I mean, right there, she's saying that we're,
1: and again, so you go into these, you know, like the inner cities in big cities, typically in America.
0: Yeah. It's going to be, that's, Here's another quote. Okay, yeah. Uh, I accepted an invitation to talk to the women's branch of the Ku Klux Klan. I was ex- escorted to the platform was introduced and began to speak in the end the uh through simple illustrations I believe I had accomplished my purpose. A dozen invitations to speak to similar more groups were pro- were proffered. 1938, uh, Margaret Sanger in her autobiography she's quoted as saying that. Yeah. So yeah, so um, <laughs>
1: she, you know she's r- rubbing shoulders with the Democrats of the age, you know the Ku Klux Klan,
0: right? Well, yeah. and who was one of her, uh, who was one of her, who 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 called Margaret Sanger her hero? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton said yeah. she was one of her heroes. So, uh, but so let's, uh, you know, let's, so she's uh, she straight up said a, she's a bol- she's trying to get rid of the undesirables, and in her words were oh. black people. Oh yeah, uh, here here you go. I think that the greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have a disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just marked when they're born. That to me is the greatest sin that people can, that to me is the greatest sin that people can commit. That was an interv- interview with journalist Mike Wallace in 1957. So she never even moved from her views. Right. She They just emboldened and she got more crafty. With the way that she would, you know, put, you know, present them, uh, but here's here's one too. Here's one well, last one. It says, "Eugenics without birth control seems to us a house, uh, builded upon the sand. It is at mercy of the rising stream of the unfit." Um, Just 1919. She wrote that about birth control and racial betterment. Yeah, so she was obviously a racist. She, she was, was a racist. She was. Yeah, you know, she wanted to end a a race. Of our population. And she wanted to use the means of abortion. And so, as you were saying, we've population control, they want to incorporate abortion into part of their process along with uh, euthanasia, along with um, some other things, such as uh, we've discovered. And you were telling me about the vaccines. And I'm going to go back to abortion in just a minute. But the vaccine, you're talking about the flu vaccine. What's this, some kind of uh, um, spermicide or something? Oh, yeah. So there's.
1: In the seventies, this uh, these healthcare, uh, I guess scientists, or it, it got released in this healthcare journal. They're looking at the most potent spermicides out there, right? And so one of them is is called Triton X one hundred, and basically this thing kills all your sperm in a man. So it, it was like it's the mo- the most potent. Like you get enough of it it kills all your sperm. Wow. No chance. You wow. Know, that's, yeah, you know, whatever. And yeah, so that's, uh, so look, if you look into that, uh, it says Triton X100 is applied to influenza vaccines at different stages
0: of the manufacturing process. Amazing. Yeah. So so it's laced with the spermicide. Right. So they're trying to do it subversively through vaccines. I mean, I mean that's kind of what it is it appears that it way it appears that uh, way what's the purpose of putting that in there is it is it going to help uh, you know exterminate the flu i don't get how that's
1: yeah i mean may, and maybe a doctor can you know yeah. uh comment and say why you need to put <laughs> this put potent of a spermicide it seems
0: like there's more to um yeah there's more to it than like that like i said there's a dark underbelly to this whole thing that's running and it seems to be having some – it's like a current that just yeah. kind of pulls it along to I, where it and wants to I forget to
1: where I read this. We were talking with some of our friends. And
0: I guess we should probably say this,
1: that um, I don't think any of us, either of us yeah, – we could just say the two of us. Uh, or I'll speak for myself. I'm not coming out right now and saying I'm anti-vax. I'm just going to say that. Oh, right. Okay. So I, I'm just going to say I'm not an anti-vaxer necessarily. Right. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I'm not going to say either way. I'm just throwing this out there. So, But uh, to get back to the idea of abortion, even, which is really interesting that someone pointed out to us, because um, I think at the same time, um, a number, like a large number of the vaccines that are used are cultivated in, they use uh, aborted fetuses.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, there's parts of aborted babies that they use to uh, cultivate Different bacteria or these pathogens that are used in—and forgive me if I just misspoke with all the scientific jargon—but um, aborted fetuses and cells from that are used in some of these vaccines. So maybe that—I'm not saying that that's a reason, maybe not right, to use it, right? But that's another kind of interesting thing that it, they're testing to tie it in. Yeah, they're testing the effects. Well, no, 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 no. Right. I mean to actually grow the Bacteria that they use in these vaccines, they through the, use it. Oh, through the okay, gotcha. Um, gotcha. yeah, so like as the you know part of the environment that it grows in, yeah, as this abate, but I mean, that's kind of Gosh. again throwing it right back in our face that they these aborted fetuses are just nothing. We just grow some bacteria in it and you know save the other people, yeah.
0: So um, if you don't think there's some kind of population control since 1970 there's been over 44 and a half million aborted babies yeah since 1970 when it became legal now look i understand uh there's people that maybe listen that have had an abortion and it had nothing to do with population control or anything like that but it's the accessibility to it and it's the blatant disregard to the deeper deeper issue and to me when it comes to the issue of abortion in particular it's not like so, um, you know. If we just want to talk about the philosophy or whatever, and when does life begin and all of that, you know, this is our stance that obviously life begins, you know, from a scientific method. It begins at conception when as soon as the sperm and the egg are are you know connected. As soon as that sperm, it, you know, it inf- yeah yeah <laughs> infiltrates that egg, <laughs> gets in there and starts doing his doing his dance. Yeah, but. It's actually, for a Christian, it's it's much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It's actually before any of that happens. And, you know, uh, on our last podcast, or no, two two weeks ago, we were talking about angels, demons, and all that. I th- no, no, this was Three. the last one. It was the last one, the AI one. We were talking about what makes a person a person yeah, versus yeah, yeah, a machine. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, use the, I use the whole idea of, um, you know... Th- memory and you know the ability to think and the ability to discern and the ability to talk and i i think i gave like four or five different things that make what makes a person a person and people would point to those things for a pro-life argument and say oh see a a baby could have all of that but it's potential right so in a in a fetus even in a sperm like at the most moment of that spark of life that happens um, it doesn't contain the ability to reason. It doesn't have a voice. It doesn't have a mind yet developed, and all of that. But
1: right? I'll say use the term unmolested, un, undisturbed, from the point of conception. The pro-lifer would say that's all within it. That's potentiality. Potentiality. That, right. Again, un messed with. Right. It will grow. Into a person that has all those things, right? Right. So that's
0: nobody the, argues that, right? Right. But the, the but the but the pro abortion person would say, well, that's my whole point is that it's not yet developed that, so we're not taking anything because it hasn't expressed any of those things. So if it's not expressing them, then it obviously isn't fully formed, right? It's not. It, a, it's not a person, right? Yeah. But so this is the this is the argument for a believer, and this is what's important. This is what what really really is important. Jeremiah one verse five, Jeremiah chapter one verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, God was speaking to Jeremiah. He was, call, he was commissioning him to go speak as a prophet. And Jeremiah was struggling with the call. And he's like, why would you send me? I'm not. And, and, and God was God was affirming to him. And it's an, it's an affirmation, not just to the prophet Jeremiah, but to every living soul, every living soul. Person, all seven billion people on the planet, okay? This is an affirmation from God to all of us. It can easily be applied that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Right. And so, pre existing your physical, you know, shell of a body, you existed in the mind of God. Before the sperm hit the egg. Yes. And so this is gonna blow up people's minds because (laughs) God stands outside of time. So before before you came into existence, he knew he knew you. Right. Like he literally it says he knew you. Now think about this for a minute. As a pro lifer, it's it has there is no argument that you could ever make that's gonna justify an abortion. There just isn't. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about this, it's much more than the potentiality of a fetus to be become the next Einstein or the next Nobel Peace Prize winner or whatever. It's whatever God has in his mind before it was ever introduced. So no matter how tragic the situation, a rape, an incest, a, a, you know, an unplanned you know, pregnancy or a, a, a pregnancy that's the result of an, a, of an adulterous affair, whatever, it may have been unplanned by you or unpurposed by you, but in God's mind, it was formed Long before, mm-hmm. and it was planned that way, and and so uh, we we need to stand for that because we're, we're we need to stand. We don't need to make any ex, any we don't we need to make no reasons why people should be able to get one. And just that's just my stance. And look, I'm I'm guilty. Anybody who knows my past, I'm I'm you know before I was a believer, I'm guilty, you know. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, in that regard, um, I have a mark on my, you know, before I understood any of these things. right? Um, And fortunately, it's changed, and so I can stand with conviction and passion about it now. And this is another side of, of it, that the dark side of the undercurrent of population control is to destroy the image bearers of God. I mean, think about that for just a minute. We're image bearers of God. We've been called to be an image bearer. Every person, no matter what they look like no matter what their intelligent level is no matter what their economic status is they are an image bearer of the god that had it in his mind for them to live on this planet before they were formed in their mother's womb yeah. and he knew them and so that's incredible to think about
1: yeah and i think the key you know if we should just reiterate this point because we that you know, everyone. We, we always say the image of God, and we even talked about it on the uh, we read through the uh, the gospel and social justice or whatever that yeah. was, and we just affirmed, yeah, that everyone is made in the image of God. Yeah, we're all image bearers. We're all have the in, the same inherent human worth. Mm-hmm. Um, which is again, the person in sub-Saharan Africa that is starving is worth the same.
0: Uh, same value it's the same
1: value God loves as much if not i don't know i mean he he loves i'd say if not more cuz he you know his heart hurts yeah um, than any of us but uh, you know we're worth the, we, we have the same inherent worth which is uh, I, guess, I guess the you know the standard pro life argument but yeah. that he knew us before Right. That means there's no again, I think we should just reiterate this. We stood before God, you know, with him. He knew us. There's a reason that every baby is born into it. Yeah. And um you can elaborate more onto the the image of God and what that means. But basically there's the there, we have no absolutely no right at all to kill something just because it's not may just because it's a ball of potentiality. Right. Right. Because that is that is a person it, that that is the vessel f- from which something that is, again God knows that there is
0: individual spirit that is being brought into the earth. Yeah. So Paul carries the same mindset of Jeremiah that that God spoke to Jeremiah in the book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. and all my Reformed friends are going to love this. He's, <laughs> it's uh, Ephesians two ten. He says, "For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance for us to do." Boom. So, so what's important about this is that um, yes, it shows God's sovereignty. Yes, it go, it shows we're speaking of predestined. You know, pre, there's this pre predestined good works that are lined up. Right. But there's purpose behind the individual. Right. Purpose. It's so much more than what you get to do. It's that you are called to do it or that that God's picked you to do it. Right. That he's we, designed a purpose for your life. And we
1: always talk about this as Christians, that there's the, just you as an example separate from me. There are things that you are going to do and people that you are going to be able to touch in such a way for the glory of God that I can't do, that I just don't possess uh, <laughs> the spiritual gifts of something. Or, you know, we all have uh, the spiritual gifts aside from what I'm just good at as a human being or how the way my, you know, if I'm yeah. better better at doing something else, then I can reach these specific groups of people that you may not be able to reach and I can't
0: reach these, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. It's like the ingredients who make you who you are. Are are perfect for the purposes that God has designed for your life. Exactly, and He says in Ephesians one eleven too. It's another. I'll just throw this verse in too. It says, "In Him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will." Yeah. So He's saying that you know, uh, there's so. Uh, first of all, every human is planned by God. They were known. They are foreknown by God. So there's no accidents. So that's number one. Number two, that not only were they foreknown, but there's a purpose behind their existence. And then in Christ for the believer, even more than that, that there's good works prepared in advance, but also that he's working out his plan (laughs) according to everything that's conforming to his will. So everything that's going on in the purpose of your life is conforming to his will once you become a Christian and you're submitted in that. And see, all... You know, population control is going to remove all of the potentiality of all of those things. Right. Because it's going to say, no, certain group of people, we got to reduce, we got to control. We we are God. We are in control. We control the economics. We control the environment. We control who's where and how, how many can be where. And it's an ultimate, you know, thumbing their nose to God mm-hmm. in, in the most arrogant way. Yeah. And I was
1: going to say, we talked about this and we didn't get to get into it. Um, one of, again, it, the, this idea of population control and uh, the inherent value of every human being that God knows pre-exist- pre-our pre existence or the existence in this dimension, this life. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and we talked about it, the Down syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I read something, this sounds so silly, um, but it was shared on Facebook that as far as groups of people that are basically, <laughs> according to, uh, you know, if you were to look at animals in the same way that you look at like a group of a, a specific species or whatever, like the the dodo bird, it went extinct, right? Right. But before that, it is in, it, it's endangered and it's put on a list. If you were to look at Down syndrome babies, they would fit the category as an endangered person.
0: Wow. As a I, I, endangered species almost I, like Yeah, a, I
1: don't want to use the term species because it, it's but right. you think of it like that. No, this I get is a you.
0: group of people that are
1: um again had the same inherent worth that have a purpose um being I don't want to say this so callously, but you know, coming into the world having being afflicted with Down syndrome, there is still purpose for that person. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, um, I have a friend that works at the special for the Special Olympics, and um, if you've ever interacted with anyone that has Down syndrome, they're amazing people. They're some of the most kindest, loving. Just they're such a joy to be around. Yeah, you know they absolutely are. And to kind of whittle it down, just a. This population control. Um, I found some statistics on so basically in England, uh, the UK, ninety percent of all babies prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are are aborted. Um, hmm. Wow! So I read this other thing. So how much? How about in the U.S.? Uh, about sixty-seven to ninety percent. Um,
0: wow! That high.
1: Yeah. I so it's as, as a result
0: the population of people living with the condition has decreased by thirty percent. And see now people would argue, well, that's they're 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 disabled, they're not going to be a, a good produ- life. Yeah, they're not going to have a good life. They're going to not be productive to society. They're going to they're actually going to be a weight on on the medical system on the, on, family, on the, on the ec- economic. Yeah. yeah, the care. What happens when? It out, you know, that child outlives their their parents, but they have lifelong care, then who's going to take care of it? Like, so they have all these arguments, but they're missing the bigger point, is that it that God has all of that figured out and the purposes for that life for the reason he brought it around. Right. He brought the baby around. Yeah. It's like we're thinking way too small. We're thinking way too small. And uh, it's just a travesty. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, you want to be blown away even more than 90%. 98% in Denmark and 100%
0: in Iceland. In Iceland. They don't even have any that are born. I think
1: that's the last thing I
0: read, that they haven't had a a, a baby with Down syndrome in like four or five years. Now, it'd be awesome if that statistic was because of a medical advancement where we were able to genetically work with the baby in the womb and somehow correct that you know extra chromosome or whatever yeah you know but i get again
1: even and i know you're just throwing yeah throwing
0: that out um but i was gonna say would well, that
1: would bring up the point of would we want to get rid of it no i guess because those people again they're they're you know it's not an accident i don't know i'm just playing devil's
0: advocate a, lot a little of, bit with that yeah, there's a whole there's a whole moral side of that too uh yeah. You know, curing it, but uh that's I'm just throwing it. I don't out want any of food. my children to be ill in any way. You yeah, know. But like, they still but my even, daughter had. like I'll give you an example. My daughter has a, a fatal peanut allergy. She she eats a peanut, she's gonna die. Just the way it's gonna work. And uh and if I could heal her, yeah, I would do it. Yeah. If there's a shot, if there was an operation, there's something, we would we would do it. Yeah. You know? So like it's hard for me to say and I know it's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big, big difference. Yeah. Obviously, I, I, I'm not an idiot, but but just on that on that line of thinking, it's like, yeah, if I could in the womb in utero do a surgery to correct something, that would be you know a lifelong correction. But I mean, that's that's the that's the moral. Yeah, well, I was going to say
1: that's and that's another another aspect of population control um, that they're talking about. There's all these crazy things. I have a friend that's a biochemical engineering guy. he's crazy smart. He's trying to break down this uh, thing, but they've had all these. Um, it's called CRISPR technology. Oh yeah, um, that they've been able to basically because they've mapped the human genome mm-hmm. um, for a while now. Actually, that was done by a, uh, a Christian. Cool. Yeah. So the human de- the the human genome project um, was done by a Christian. So there are scientists that are Christians. Just saying. <laughs> um, but basically, this CRISPR technology would be able to go in and individually figure out, um, you know, be able to change specific splices on, uh, it's this technology that can change the genome, basically. Um, And they're talking about designer babies. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. So, I mean, again, you know, I I, I guess in kind of wrapping this up and throwing out all these little things, uh, (laughs) we were just talking about, how do we talk about population control? And, you know, we're talking about, there is this global initiative to um, place the earth over creation or, you know, over humans that, yeah. that there's value over that and we need to do that. Yeah. And how do we implement saving the world is we need to start messing with people. And there's so many more aspects to this that we're just trying to touch on a little bit of them. Um, But one of the most prevalent things that I think we both agreed on when we're going over what should we talk about is, this is really a pro-life um, episode, <laughs> right? And we wanted to just come back to, uh, yeah, just th- this inherent human worth and, and value and um, as much as you hear in society and culture, and this is definitely being propagated by something out there. Yeah, You know, some group or some thing. Um, and it takes a form. you know, other things we can talk about. Um, you know, the, the homosexual agenda and the demasculization of all these things and, you know, all trying to turn us into hermaphrodite, you know, right. Right. Yeah. Things that aren't able to reproduce and all this society. And then, uh, you know, replace us with robots eventually. Cause you know, uh, that's going out. <laughs> Transhumanism. Some, some crazy, some crazy stuff. But, yeah. uh, You know, I think it's good that we just, you know, reiterate. So, if I could say one thing. Yeah,
0: we're totally pro-life. This is a pro-life podcast in that sense episode, that pro-life in the sense of, hey, let's go fulfill Genesis 128. So, if you're a young married couple listening to this, like, go have more babies. (laughs) Go have more babies. Raise them in Jesus. Tell them how much Jesus loves them. Tell them to have faith in Christ and Christ. God will provide all the God will provide. Yeah, you don't have to sweat any of those things. He's if he keeps giving you babies, he's got a plan. Uh <laughs> yeah. now there's a lot of people that'd be like freaking out like right now. <laughs> like, what yeah. is he talking about? No, but I'm I'm it's tongue in cheek. Obviously, um I had a I just on this note, I had a boss that I worked for a guy and um he had 10 kids. Great guy, great guy. And when I had my first baby, um, I had this weird pressure when I was around. I'm like, do I need to have like ten? And he was he's a great Christian guy too. I yeah. really looked up to him. So he wasn't Mormon. No, he wasn't Mormon. He's was okay. a great Christian guy. Loved, loved Jesus. Loved, loved his family. And hard worker. And um, and he said to me, I was like, do I have to have like ten kids? Is that like what good Christian men do? And he goes, he goes. I just want to tell you something Turner he goes uh when I was younger my wife and I had this burden from God that we wanted to have a big family he goes and we feel like it's a calling that God's placed on us to have a lot of kids and he goes so for us it was a joy and it was something that we felt like God called us to do and he says but if God hasn't called you to do that then obviously you don't do it you know <laughs> yeah. so it was like there's like this liberty and this freedom but I would say Still be fruitful and multiply. Let's yeah. let's you know. Let's. God said that 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 was blessed in Genesis one twenty eight. Nothing's changed since then. It's it's actually only gotten better because the medical technology is there to have babies that are. The mortality rate of ba- birthing is higher because of the medical technology. Yeah. Right. You know. Did I say that correctly? The mortality rate. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, so
1: don't be scared of the propaganda and don't <laughs> right. kill your babies and <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, don't kill your babies and oh, uh goodness. I'll throw out one little nugget before we go um which is just really scary one of the uh which if you want to get into a huge conspiracy rabbit hole all right um the Bill uh, Bill Gates uh, who is no longer the richest man alive but second richest I believe still um he has this thing with uh the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that is doing work all in um really poor impoverished places. Um so I'm just gonna throw this out there and Bill Gates' father was president of Planned Parenthood mm. for a number of years. So uh There you go. <laughs> yeah. We we don't have time you, to go all you through what into they think, that right? but yeah. Uh
0: be on the lookout for that. So it's a big rabbit hole. Yeah. Well dude it's been an awesome podcast. It's been a good one. I hope that uh everybody <laughs> listening isn't like wanting to drive their car off of a cliff right now, but uh <laughs> yeah. uh listen, the good things. We got uh more in this Brave New World episode that are coming up, so keep uh keep an ear out for us as we continue to to release these podcasts weekly. Rosie, it's been awesome. It's been awesome, man. Thanks for uh thanks for all your That you do and share on podcasts. It was awesome. (laughs) And listener, hey, you listening, thank you for listening and have a great week. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us. Or you can find us on Twitter at All Out Warcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.